0: the uh, treasurer of the great state of North Carolina, Dale Falwell. How are
1: you, sir? I'm doing great. It was great to see you yesterday, and I'm glad to be with your listeners today.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, You making time for us, and uh, we have not... Uh, can I can I divulge that you gave, you gave me one of your wife's brownies yesterday? <laughs> yes. Okay, good, because I just divulged it. As as it good. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that kind of brownie before you start asking people. No, it's not that kind of a brownie. Um, so, uh, so and, and it's your wife's... Brownie, you're not the baker.
1: Yeah, she's, uh, she's the one that makes the double chocolate Giardelli brownies that are so famous across North Carolina.
0: <laughs> so have you considered uh, uh, handing these out at campaign stops? Maybe, uh, or would that be like bribing? Would that be yeah bribery for votes or something? Probably don't take my advice
1: on that. Well, it uh, she makes a a pan uh, a week, and the reason is she has two uh, really full time jobs, and she plays in four different bands. So uh, this is this is the amount of production that I'm able to get from her. I'm very <laughs> grateful for it, and I'm sure you are.
0: As, absolutely, absolutely. So um, you were in the, you were in Charlotte yesterday. So uh, what what were your travels? What what brought you to the Queen City?
1: Well, yesterday was about 360 miles of driving, and uh, and uh, lots of stops, but uh, we started in Winston Salem, and then we uh, cut the ribbon at the Ing and Ang Bunker, uh, Surrey County Arts Council, the new museum they have up there, and uh, they're going they're going to have an exhibit to honor Ing and who were the conjoined uh, Siamese twins who lived there back in the last century. Yeah, and. Uh, very successful business people, and I think there's a chance that this winter either the president or the ambassador to Thailand is going to come over and actually uh, christen the official exhibit, but that was a that was a great day in Surrey County. and just another uh, reason for people to visit to uh, Surrey County with Andy Griffiths and the, uh, all the other types of music and other types of festivals that got there, but then I was in Charlotte speaking to the uh, uh, Kawana's Club, who I believe is having their barbecue today. Uh, they not, are. Not at the church I was at, but at a Presbyterian Church, and it's great to visit with them. And then I uh, had three other stops in Charlotte, and then I uh, spoke in Shelby. And then at 6 o'clock uh, last night, I was the commencement speaker to the Cleveland County uh, Community College. Uh, the highest numbers of graduates in the history of the Cleveland County Community College. It was a great day, and a, a radical hospitality was extended to me by President Hurst and his staff, and got back home by 11 o'clock last night. So uh, it was a it was a Dale Falwell experience.
0: Yeah, I'll say. I'll say. Like call it. I'll say. Um, yeah, so uh, you mentioned the Kiwanis Club. It is going on, actually, uh, until 1.30. It's at... Uh, the First Presbyterian Church in Uptown, Trading uh, Church Street, and uh, they got the barbecue and all the fixins from Max Speed Shop, and it's a great cause. All the proceeds go to send underprivileged uh, kids to a week of summer camp at Camp Greer. So uh, if you're looking for something to do for lunch today, head on over. It's like, uh, I think it's 13 bucks at the gate, and um, you can sit there or take it to go, whatever, but it's great uh, barbecue, obviously, from Max. So...
1: I just wish I were there today to enjoy some of it, but I think it's going to be a fantastic fundraiser for Jim Harrell and the president of that club and their whole team.
0: Yeah, Uh, and yeah, it's a great organization. Kiwanis is a great uh, civic organization. So um, let let me ask you about something going on in Raleigh. Um, This is about medical debt, and um, I read a piece uh, that kind of went over how fast this measure has been going through the legislature with with it seemed like some surprise at how fast it's going through four different Senate committees um and this is a bill that you've been uh, you've been supportive of Senate bill 321 so tell us what is this bill about and what is the problem that has been identified that this bill is seeking to remedy
1: uh it's called the Medical Debt Deweaponization Act and I know weaponization is a very strong word for your listeners but that is exactly what is happening to people in this state, especially the state employees who teach, protect, and other serve, uh, otherwise serve, uh, and the weaponization is of their credit score and the harassing phone calls that they get. And some of these phone calls are to widows and widowers whose deceased loved one ran up the tremendous medical bills, and now the uh, widow and widower's credit score is being destroyed. Uh, We are very gratified that this was a 48-0 to vote on the floor of the Senate. I know your listeners aren't used to hearing that kind of vote total. And I think the senators and I suspect very quickly the House members are going to realize that they want to be on the right side of history as far as protecting the consumers of this state. Uh, We're near the bottom in terms of consumer protection with things associated with medical debt. Uh, Pete, this will put us at number two in the country. We're number one in the country in so many other respects, but this will put us at number two in the United States as far as protecting people, especially uh, consumers. It's the leading cause of bankruptcy in North Carolina. And uh, with all the talk that – all the conversations you've had on your show the last, since last November about things that happened in Arizona, either the Senate or the gubernatorial race, uh this was actually a, a referendum on the a ballot in Arizona and i believe it passed by 72%. People not being able to see themselves past their poverty is not a republican democrat unaffiliated libertarian issue it's simply a moral issue.
0: So the uh North Carolina Healthcare Association is opposed to this legislation. Um did you like is there a fight Against the healthcare industry that you are not interested in picking, <laughs> well, the
1: North Carolina Healthcare Association is is the leader of the cartel. Uh, and I hope I get invited back after saying this, but you know this is the same association at the national level who gave the middle finger to President Trump for his healthcare transparency executive order, uh, gave the middle finger to current President Biden, who actually strengthened President Trump's executive order about transparency of healthcare. Uh, the fact is that this association will never go on camera. They will never appear in public uh, where they have to defend being on the wrong side of history. Uh, we're talking about multi billion dollar corporations who disguise themselves as nonprofits, who don't pay sales, don't pay income, don't pay property tax. And not only that, they don't align their charity care with the tax benefits that the local and the state government gets them. And finally, uh, when you don't pay a bill for something you would rather not have consumed, because that would mean you're healthy, then they break your kneecaps, put liens on your houses, and weaponize your credit score, even if you're a widow or widower.
0: So, and this is the same organization that you fought before, right, over the the, the transparency and the bills that you go into the the hospital and get uh, if you're a state employee, correct?
1: That's exactly right, and. You know, as you may remember, a few months ago we had a medical debt deweaponization forum, and on that panel was uh, former Mayor Annarella, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Dr. Reverend uh, Woods from First Baptist, uh, Pat Cotham, uh, County Commissioner Pat Cotham and uh, Reverend Mack uh, showed up to talk about the impact uh, that medical debt is having on the upward mobility and joy of achievement for uh, folks that she's heard from. And I also want to say that uh, Representative Tricia Cotham is one of the primary sponsors of this bill in the House, and uh, we are very hopeful that we're going to get a hearing very quickly and that the governor will sign it. But the cartel is very powerful. powerful. They will never come in the front door uh, to tell you how they feel. They'll never show up on a radio show. All they do is issue statements and press releases.
0: And influence legislation. Let's not Let's not uh, ignore like their ability to <laughs> to affect legislation. Oftentimes in the General Assembly, right?
1: <laughs> right, and and really, all I'm after, and you know, the Healthcare Association when they put their finger in my face five, four years ago and said, "You're not our customer." Uh, Pete, we spent two billion dollars with the Healthcare Organization, Healthcare Association that represents these hospitals. They say we're not our customer because our contract is actually with Blue Cross and not with them, which is another cartel. <laughs> and I keep using that word with your listeners because it's defined in the Webster's Dictionary as uh, associations which are formed to restrict competition and/or raise prices. And uh, we're not going to be on the wrong side of history. We think by telling people what things cost, we think by uh, lining up the charity care that they're supposed to be lining up with the tax benefit they get, and We think that that's going to actually increase quality, increase access, and lower cost so more people can actually pay their bill.
0: Dale Falwell, he is the treasurer for the great state of North Carolina. He is also a candidate for governor in the Republican primary. Dale, I appreciate it. We'll touch base with you again soon.
1: Thank you for having me, and all your listeners, be sure to go to nccash.com. Another valuable reason to listen to your show, there's probably money sitting at the treasurer's office for them.
0: That's right. It's your money sitting in some account someplace that uh, you can find at nccash.com. Thank you, Dale. Appreciate it.
1: Have a blessed day.
0: Oh, hey, real quick. Before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage... Radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? Uh, I Actually, I saw this from Colin Campbell on Twitter. He's a... formerly of the Charlotte or the Raleigh News and Observer. I believe that. I think he went over to WRAL and then he went to the Business Insider or something. No, not Insider. Where'd he go? Not the Business Journal. Um, But I think now he's at Public Radio Station or something up in Raleigh area. Anyway, um, he uh, he sent out a message that... uh, Apparently, as recognized in a press release here and a proclamation by the governor of the state of North Carolina, my good friend, Ray Cooper. It is International Compost Awareness Week. Yeah, no, I didn't get you crap. It is, I mean, honestly, it is a bit of a, it's a bit of a trash holiday. It really, so, sorry. It's, <laughs> I know, I know. Those aren't even puns. They're like two-thirds of a pun. P-U. All right, I'll stop. I will stop now, I swear. I will stop. Speaking of swearing in... Uh, what's that? You thought I was good? Oh. Two-thirds of a pun. Of, he fi- okay, Chris got it. Yeah, all right. Two-thirds of a... There you go. Right. P-U. Right. Okay. It's a, ma- it's a play on math. There you go. All right, uh, so you've got... The state board of elections, three new members on the uh, state board of elections. They got four year terms, and uh, there are two that are carrying over from the previous state board. That's going to be uh, Stacy Clyde Eggers the fourth and T Jefferson Carmen the third. So they're so the third and the fourth they they are staying on as the one and the two. Departing board members are. Chairman Damon Sercosta, oh, thank goodness, Democrat and Executive Director of the Leftist Foundation, the A.J. Fletcher Foundation. It's all wrapped up in left-wing politics in North Carolina. Um, Republican Tommy Tucker and Democrat Stella Anderson, new to the Board of Elections and nominated by the North Carolina Republican Party, weighing in at—no, I'm kidding. Kevin Neal Lewis. He is a Rocky Mount attorney with Valentine Law Firm. Served on the Nash County Board of Elections since 2007. He chaired the Nash Board of of Elections for six years uh, during that time span. Um, Right, so he knows something about the election law. Now, who are the Democrats on the Board of Elections? Glad you asked. Well, first up is Democrat Alan S. Hirsch of Chapel Hill. He is the CEO of Bjorg. The band? Is that a band? No. I don't know what it is. Bio, Bjorg, Bjorg maybe? It sounds like something chemically or scientific key, science-y, very Fauci-esque, I think. He's also the president of the North Carolina Healthcare Quality Alliance. He is also... And the former North Carolina deputy attorney general and policy advisor under former Governor Mike Sleasley, uh, Easley, sorry, Easley and former chair of Ray Cooper's DHHS transition team. So, as you could tell, just tons of background in election law. Um, who else? Oh, lawyer Sioban Millen or Shobin? how would you how would you pronounce this one S I O B H A N how would you pronounce that Saibon Saioben Anyway Shobin Millen I guess of Raleigh also nominated by Roy Cooper in the Democratic Party uh, she is a Democrat get out the vote activist who filed an action in a lawsuit against the Wake County Board of Elections opposing The purging of voter rolls, which you are supposed to do. (laughs) So now she's on our state board of elections appointed by Democrats. She led voter registration drives, starting with the Obama campaigns, and now the League of Women Voters of Wake County. And she works with groups that register voters detained in the Wake County jail. This is who the Democrats have put onto the state board of elections. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least she does have some experience in elections. That is true. You know, I mean, she opposes the election integrity laws. So, I mean, at least we know that going in, right? And I suspect she'll be making sort of the uh, these arguments in, in non-legal form. Well, she is a lawyer, too. Well, never mind. consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor there really is something for everyone at old grouch's military surplus in beautiful downtown clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. everybody that does get the podcast uh just looking at the numbers and uh the before the show started today and I forgot what it was, and now I've already started. I have to tell you what it is. Hang on a second. Let me just save that, and then let me pull the uh, program analytics up. I want to say it was the – all right. so a little peek behind the curtain, I can tell you this, is that in the podcast world, uh, you're only as good as your last 30 days. You're only as good as your last 30 days. Everything is running on a a 30-day cycle, basically, so – you're only looking back 30 days, which makes sense because, you know, if I did a podcast about, you know, like some real crime, true crime thing or whatever, and then I didn't do anything else because, you know, like if I was doing the Murdoch trial, for example, and now there's nothing else, although that's a bad example because there are other things to report. But let's say there wasn't anything else to report. The case is over and and the podcast ends. But it had, you know, a million downloads. I can't keep selling the ads on that podcast because nobody's listening to it anymore, right? It had a, it had historically a lot of people listening while it was going on, but eventually then people stopped listening. So you're only as good as your last 30 days. And I'll tell you that the last 30 days I had here was like 64,000 downloads, which is a fantastic number. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Uh, It was all proof of concept, you know, the, the whole podcast thing. So thanks to everybody for that. I've been informed also that the pronunciation of that name of the, where is it here? The uh, Board of Elections, S-I-O, S-I-O-B, as in boy, B-H-A-N. And I've been informed that the pronunciation is Shivon. But that's a B. Does the B-H become a V sound? I don't know. But then I thought, oh, maybe it's like Shiv from the show Succession. Is that it? No, I just saw this. Also, Vivek Ramaswamy is apparently pitching an idea that 18 uh, year olds will have to pass a civics test or else meet a national service requirement. Yeah, no, no, I don't know. I don't. You, we do not belong to the government. The government. We, we do not owe the U.S. government a year of our lives. I understand the attraction, the appeal of, you know, this uh, non-military draft idea. Oh, everybody, after get out of high school, got to go do a year of service. I, I get all that, and you can do that if you would like to go join the Peace Corps or something. You want to go, whatever you want to, you want to go work for the Forestry Service. What you, you want to do that, you go right ahead. But you, the government cannot compel people to do that. I just, I am, I am opposed to this idea that simply by being a uh, a resident of the united states that the government then gets control over your life and liberty uh, but it's only for a year yeah no oh it's a gaelic name okay Siobhan. okay good to know thank you maga american pitbull if that is your real name on twitter um down in south carolina Yesterday was apparently supposed to be the final day of the regular session for the General Assembly of the state, the legislature. However, they didn't quite finish all of their work, which apparently is pretty normal. Um, And so they are in the middle of several debates, actually. Abortion, guns, you know, non-controversial things. Bond reform. And um, state budget. So they're going into overtime and they're going to do this next week, at the top of the list is abortion. A state Supreme Court ruling earlier this year overturned South Carolina's ban on abortions when cardiac activity can be detected, typically around six weeks, you know, a.k.a. heartbeat, right? The heartbeat bill. Um, Jeffrey Collins reporting at the Associated Press That uh, this is, you know, before many women know that they are even pregnant. That ruling put the state's old ban on abortion at about 20 weeks after conception. It restores that standard, 20 weeks. And the monthly total of abortions uh, has now risen from just a few hundred to now close to 1,000 in South Carolina. Monthly. 1,000 a month. House members want a near-total ban with exceptions for pregnancy caused by rape or if the life of the mother is at risk. The Senate only mustered enough votes for a cardiac ban rewritten in hopes of getting around the state court ruling. The House has rewritten the Senate bill and will take it up next week. If it passes, the Senate will consider the House changes. All right. Stiffer penalties also for crimes involving fentanyl and creating a state law that makes it illegal for a convicted felon to have a gun. I lived in South Carolina for seven years. Now, admittedly, I was not a felon nor convicted felon, but um, I I did not realize that that was, that's, there's no law against that in South Carolina. That's interesting. That Oh, also, North Carolina's abortion law or bill, right, that is passed and, the governor is holding the mothers day or the pre mothers day or I mean, it's a mothers day weekend pro abortion rally because what better way to celebrate mom than to celebrate abortion right so he's going to do this uh veto celebration rally uh tomorrow and um i think pro life organizations have uh they've also um planned a counter rally uh at the same place uh, it's like was it, is it Bicentennial Park? I think is what it's called in Raleigh. So they're going to be are going to have dueling demonstrations. Uh, he's going to veto the the bill. But in that bill, apparently, is um, W R A L was reporting on this. They're closing a loophole that North Carolina has regarding domestic violence. Uh, yeah, domestic violence offenders, abusers that uh, otherwise could still get firearms. This was one of the criticisms against the repeal of the pistol purchase permit system uh, because sheriffs could block local people who had uh, domestic violence, abuse charges against them and and convictions. But because North Carolina doesn't have a specifically worded domestic violence charge, it's just called assault. You right. It created this loophole. So they're going to close that with this abortion bill as well. Unless, of of course, Roy Cooper, my good friend Ray, is able to convince one of the four Republicans he has been targeting for harassment and intimidation, whether he can convince one of them to go along with his veto and sustain it. Then, right, then I guess we still have the loophole. So it sounds to me like Roy Cooper wants domestic violence abusers to get guns. I mean, that's what I, what else am I to infer? All right, I have a poll here from, or uh, yeah, survey results from uh, the Gutmacher. Institute, I think is how they pronounce it. Approximately every seven years, the Guttmacher Institute conducts a large survey of abortion patients. Between June 21 and July 2022, Guttmacher obtained data from almost 6,000 women who had had abortions. From 2014, a progressively smaller percentage of abortions are performed on minors. That's a good thing, right? So when you're looking at last year or 21, 22 data going back seven years prior, there's a smaller percentage of abortions being performed on minors. It's been getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So that's good news, right? Um, There's an increasing percentage of abortions performed on both African-American women and Hispanic women. Chemical abortions continue to be an increasing share of all abortions. Um, 24 states, and these are, by the way, the labels created by the Guttmacher Institute, 24 states are dubbed restrictive states and 26 states are dubbed protective states. 42% of abortions obtained by women residing in protective states were financed by Medicaid. Conversely, less than 1% of abortions obtained by women living in restrictive states were financed by Medicaid. This is unsurprising. Few politically conservative states fund elective abortions through Medicaid. National Review Says, since the Supreme Court's uh, Dobbs decision, the pro life movement has made admirable progress enacting strong pro life laws in approximately 15 states. Uh, and that said, for the foreseeable future, abortion will still be legal in many parts of the country. This Guttmacher survey provides pro lifers with information about future opportunities and challenges. Our efforts to reduce teen pregnancies and teen abortions have been successful. However, finding creative ways to more effectively engage abortion minded African-American women and Hispanic women remains an important priority for pro-life activists. All right. So there's that. Uh, And then from North Carolina survey, this was posted over at um, the Carolina Partnership for Reform. No, Coalition um, CPRNC, I forget. Yeah, Carolina's Partnership for Reform. And uh, they put out a survey. They had the results a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, but it got sort of rehashed during the uh, the debate over the abortion bill uh, that moved through the general assembly. And a former staffer for um, Phil Berger, the Senate President Pro Tempore, uh, Pat Ryan, is his name. And he said, "Our organization's mission is to further liberty, promote economic growth." And improve education in North Carolina. CPR does not take positions or advocate on most social issues. But they do put out surveys. And what they found in this one on abortion was 45% of voters consider themselves to be pro-life. 49% consider themselves to be pro-choice. Of the pro-life group, 77% of Republicans say they're pro-life, 39% of unaffiliated and only 19% of Democrats, which I thought, I was surprised by that. I didn't think that number would be that high. 19% of Democrats claim to be pro-life. Pro-choice, 19% of Republicans say they are, 54% of unaffiliated and 73% of Democrats, right? So these are just like mirror images of each other. But here's the thing. When you ask people about Specific policy options that lawmakers are advocating for in the General Assembly, you end up with a more nuanced view. First, they asked respondents about making abortion legal for any reason at any point in pregnancy. Okay, that is a position that virtually every single legislative Democrat has signed on to. Okay, any reason at any point, a woman's complete and total right to choose at any time 56 percent of voters oppose that a majority of unaffiliated voters oppose it obviously republicans do but even 30 percent of democrats do third almost uh, so roughly a third of democrats are not cool with abortion on demand at any time right um when they asked about prohibiting abortions after the first trimester, that is 12 weeks of pregnancy, except except in the case of rape, incest, or the life of the mother is in danger, and that gets 56% of voter support. And that is what the legislation is. That's what the bill is. So remember, Roy Cooper and you know the left, they're rallying. They're actually—William Barber— Reverend Baba, he is uh, back up in Raleigh and they're blocking some legislative uh, uh, hallway in front of the the press conference room. Trying to, you know, gum up the works again, just like they did with the Moral Monday stuff. They got their rally tomorrow and they're rallying against a bill that 56 percent of voters support this policy. More than half of unaffiliated voters do. Even 42 percent of Democrats support it. They also support, voters do, a state tax credit to mothers who choose adoption instead of abortion. 69% of voters support that. And by a 78 to 13% margin, voters support a policy proposal to increase the state's child tax credit up to $2,500 to make it universally available to all parents, right? So if you're looking for middle ground a prohibition on abortions after the first trimester with exceptions for rape, incest, life of the mother. that That's it. The, right, what What the General Assembly did is the middle ground proposal. It represents a natural middle ground between a full ban and a full abortion on demand position, right? In fact, this is where a lot of Europe has landed over the past 50 years through the democratic process, they say, right? This is... This is the moderate, middle ground, compromise position. And, you know, Democrats say, well, for now, they could come back and make changes. And true. That is true. But so could Democrats. If they won control of the General Assembly, they could come back as well. But this is why it should be at the state level, right, where we hash all of this stuff out and people have more of a direct influence on the outcome of these pieces of legislation.